It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, you can't ignore simple facts. Welcome in once again here to Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it is A to Z here on this Tuesday. Appreciate you guys making Locked On Sports Atlanta a big part of your day. Thanks so much for following us on Twitter and on YouTube as well. Wherever you get your podcasts, search Locked On Atlanta Big show prepared for you guys today. We're going to break down the Hawks-Hornets playing game matchup with Brad Rowland. Uh, he's going to join us in the show as well. We will look forward to Major League Baseball and the Braves continuing to struggle on the offensive end. We'll get to that later on in the show as well. Uh, first segment brought to you by our good friends at Prize Picks. All right, NBA fans, you're looking for daily fantasy option for the NBA, then you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy I love Price Picks, and I know you will too. I use it mostly during football season, but guess what? NBA playoffs are a great time to get involved as well. It's easy to use. You pick between two and five players, and an over or under on their projections, you can win up to 10 times the amount that you wager, and it's just you versus the projections. That's it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app both on the App Store and Google Play. Price Picks also offers a variety of options. Price Picks offers any prop you can think of from points scored to rebounds, even steals. Price Picks also allows mixed board entries, so you can pick Trey Young for the Hawks and his point total, and then also go pick Matt Olson for how many RBIs he'll have or how many runs he'll score in the same day. It's that simple. Prize Picks doesn't just offer NBA, Major League Baseball. They have soccer, MMA. Of course, you get college football, college basketball. It is everything you can imagine. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free. If a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for $50 free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Again, prize picks and prize picks app. 
All right. Uh, I wanted to start today with the Atlanta Falcons and the upcoming draft. Um, I, I continue to hear talk about the Falcons in the draft, and, and I sometimes wonder who people in this town or what people in this town think about uh, how the draft process works and how rebuilding a roster works. And sometimes I don't know that they that they get it. Um, a lot of my colleagues and, and radio hosts in this town, sometimes they, I don't really know that they have a full view of you know, what building a roster entails and the steps that you have to take because there is an order. It's not just willy-nilly. Like, there are teams that have the benefit of being in a position where they can take best player available and other teams can't. Um, and typically, those teams are teams that are routinely winning, right? Like, I covered the Baltimore Ravens before I moved to Atlanta. I was living in Baltimore. I covered them for a decade. Uh, and they always took best player available because they were always in playoff contention every year. They could afford, they had the wiggle room because they had enough depth, they had enough players, they had the quarterback situation squared away that they didn't need to reach for certain players at certain positions. They were wide receivers starved for years. They couldn't draft a wide receiver to save their keister, and they tried several times and swung and missed. And, and once they stopped trying to reach for wide receivers, guess what? They won a Super Bowl. I mean, you just start figuring out different ways to supplement what you need and what you have versus where you draft. And I hope Falcons fans can understand this. It's very simple. Like, I get that this is not a great quarterback class, but if you're building a roster and you're rebuilding a roster, you need to have the quarterback of the future on the roster, or at least somebody you believe is the quarterback of the future on the roster. And there are so many examples of this right in your face. Look at the Cleveland Browns. When did they finally make the playoffs? When they got Baker Mayfield and they had some consistency at that position and they were able to put the rest of the team around him, right? It wasn't because the, the, the Cleveland Browns had a good roster and it was Brian Hoyer at quarterback. No, that was never the situation. Look at the Bengals. They drafted Joe Burrow. They were perpetually bad. They drafted Joe Burrow. And you're, oh, it's Joe Burrow. But Burrow and Mayfield were both number one overall picks. None of these quarterbacks are worth it. That does not matter. It really doesn't. It, what matters is starting at that position first. And if you're not going to draft a quarterback, then you have to find a solution that is better than Marcus Mariota. Like, that is the that's the issue for the Falcons. There is no way, logically, you can start building your roster from anywhere else. It just doesn't make sense. And and while I, I don't I don't know, it, to me it's like it's mind baffling that that Falcons fans. Uh, well, these quarterbacks are in it. The quarterbacks are next year. Okay, so draft a quarterback this year, throw him to the wolves, as I've said repeatedly. And if it doesn't work, guess what? You're going to be bad. Then draft another one next year. You do what the Arizona Cardinals did. They drafted Josh Rosen. They threw him to the Wolves. You know what they saw in a year? Guess what? That dude can't play. You know what they figured out? They were right. Where did he end up? Miami. What did they do? Shipped him off. Where is he now? He's in Atlanta, I think. Is he still on the Atlanta roster? Anyway, he can't play. So what did they do? Immediately draft Kyler Murray. If you draft him this year and you miss, guess what? You draft another one next year because in reality, and I'll remind you guys of this repeatedly throughout the football season, this is not year one of the rebuild. This is year zero. Year one of the rebuild starts next year. This year does not count. You, you've, you've decided to burn this year. 
You've got 60 million in dead cap. This year does not count towards anything. It is a waste of a year. We all know how bad this team is going to be. There's no reason to expect them to be mildly competitive. If they are great, I'm not saying they shouldn't try. I'm not saying Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot shouldn't put together a team that they think that can actually win football games. Go ahead and do it. There's no problem with that. But in reality, that's not going to happen. If it does, great for them. But it's just not what I see happening at all. So this year doesn't count towards anything. It's next year. And if you want to draft a quarterback again next year in the rebuild, in year one, go ahead and do it. But if Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral shows you any flashes that they can play, guess what? You know what you can do next year with that number one pick or that, that pick that's in the top five if you're bad? You trade it for more commodities and more picks. And you're able to start getting younger, cheaper talent in here very quickly. That's what you have to do. Again, trade Grady, Grady Jarrett. Make sure you get a first-round pick next year. And the possibility exists you could have three first-round picks next year. That's what the Dolphins did. They had three first-round picks. Guess what? Then they start moving them off for high-level players. I mean, guys, the path through a rebuild has already been set. You can see it through the trees. You know exactly where to go. For all my former military folks, it's like doing a land nav course. You kind of know when all the all the brush has been trampled on, people have been walking this way. A lot of people have been walking this way. Follow them. This doesn't have to be where you reinvent the wheel. This doesn't have to be where you look at the whole thing and go, well, I have no idea what to do next. No, the path is there. Everybody sees it. If you don't get the quarterback figured out, you're going to continually be rebuilding. Go look at the Washington Commanders football team. You know, the, the, those guys. They've been searching for a quarterback forever. They had RG3 for one solid year. What happened? They made the playoffs. Next time they made the playoffs, I think they were 7-8-1. and one. Like, come on. You have to have the quarterback situation. You have to have stability at the quarterback situation. Why have the Packers been relevant for the last 30 years? Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Why were the Colts really good for 20 years? Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Now, I'm not saying you have to find those level of quarterbacks like all-time greats, but, it, it, I mean, the Ravens went from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. Playoffs, routinely, consistently, as long as they've both been healthy. I mean, it, it's really not hard to figure out once you stabilize the quarterback position. Why has Denver been muddling for so long? Because they haven't figured out who the quarterback is. They finally go out and get Russell Wilson. Watch things change. It, it, again, it's not a, a crazy scenario. When did the Chiefs become good to really good? Alex Smith, because he helped them win the division, I think, like five, three straight years in a row. And then Patrick Mahomes. Figure out the quarterback situation. It's the, I, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't draft a quarterback. Whether you think he's the if you don't think he's the guy, I'm not saying go ahead and get one. If you truly don't think Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, if you truly don't think those are guys that they are not the guy, then don't do it. But you you have to be resolute in that they are not the guy. And don't take a quarterback in the second round. That never works out. It never, ever, 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 ever works out. 
there's like three second round quarterbacks that are worth it. Like Derek Carr, who was, I think he went like 33rd or 34th. He was at the top of the second round is one that has worked out. Andy Dalton was good for a long time, but never great. Um, there's a couple of other ones, but you know, those are the ones that, that pop off my, don't do it. If you don't think he's a the guy, then don't even waste a pick. Don't even take one period. Not in the fourth round, not in the sixth round, not in the seventh round. Don't take a quarterback. If you're not getting a first round quarterback, don't waste the pick because that's all it is, is a wasted pick. I mean, this is not a, a, a difficult thing to figure out. Either take a quarterback at eight or be a hundred percent resolute that none of those guys are going to be it. And if they turned out to be legitimate, longtime franchise quarterbacks, that's when you stand up and go, we missed it. We missed it. If you don't say that, we're going to say it for you as fans and media and everybody else. You missed it. So, and the other thing too is that I can't get, like, the, ever since I've been covering this team, why is it never easy with the draft with this team? Why is it that the only year it was easy was when they drafted Dick Beasley and don't play revisionist history. Everybody thought Beasley was a great pick when it happened. Nobody had, had any objections to it. They needed a pass rusher and it worked out for two years. <laughs> okay. After that, it, it went downhill fast, but it's never really been easy for the Falcons since I've been covering this team to go, boom, they got the guy. No one's ever going, boom, they got the guy. Other than Vic Beasley, I don't recall anybody ever going like, yes, that's a great pick. That's what it's like being a Falcons fan, I suppose. All right, coming up next, uh, Hawks entering the play-in tournament. Brad Rowland will join us right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll be right back. Welcome back into A to Z here on Locked On Atlanta. I am Mark Zeno. Thank you so much for joining me. Going to get to our good friend Brad Rowland coming up here in just a moment. This segment brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure all the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions? Why, you know, with these big body shops, why wait behind the counter or wait for the person behind the counter, you know, to sit there on the computer, clack away and choosing only the brand that they have in the warehouse that they happen to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Easiest thing to do, go to rockauto.com. You're going to save time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership like a Honda Odyssey fuel pump for $353 from a chain store? Or that's $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourself customers like you for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for all of your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Again, locked on in the how did you hear about us box at rockauto.com. Uh, a Hawks have a huge game coming up, a win or go home situation in the play-in tournament as they take on the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow night, Wednesday night at State Farm Arena. And joining us now to... Break that game down from the Locked On Hawks podcast. It is Brad Roland here on A to Z. Brad, uh, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, sir. Uh, big game, as you said, on Wednesday. So we're all fired up. All right. Um, not the situation that the Hawks wanted to be in the playing game, but 
when you talk about pass, and I said this yesterday on A to Z, like this is as favorable as a path as you could get for this team to host Charlotte. And then theoretically, as long as Brooklyn holds up there into the deal by beating Cleveland, going to Cleveland to lock up that eight seed. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if you're drawing this up, as long as you assume the Hawks are in the 9-10 where they didn't want to be, once once they're there, it doesn't get much easier on paper than home against Charlotte and then a road game against Cleveland because if they have to go on the road against anyone, Cleveland's been a little bit shaky recently and the Hawks have not been great on the road. So uh, obviously you have to win the first one first, but uh, a home game versus Charlotte and they're favored, as we'll talk about, I'm sure. So it's, it's a pretty nice setup for them overall. Yes, we'll talk about the uh, point spread. It's a, it's a thing of mine, Brad, <laughs> as you know, for many years. Uh, that said, I mean, look, clearly these two teams are very similar. The, the Hawks are sixth in the NBA in scoring. Charlotte is second. Um, you know, they like to get out and score a ton of points. Hawks are second in three-point shooting. Charlotte is sixth. I mean, you know, this whole thing sets up for a ton of points being scored. And I don't know if that necessarily favors the Hawks per se, but is it as simple to say it may come down to who makes more shots? I think you're right. I mean, it, it does sound simple, but at the same time, these are two teams that are so high powered and they shoot threes very well, both top five or six in the league, three point shooting. Uh, and really, as you know, it's, it's very cliche, but the make or miss league moniker applies here. I think if, if one team goes out and shoots, you know, 18 for 35 from three, they're probably going to win. And that's not great if you're if you're the Hawks, uh, if you think you're the better team, especially if you're playing at home, because one game scenario, you have one bad night or the other team has one great night and you're going home. But I think like you said, these teams are both kind of bad on defense, good on offense. And if one team just shoots the lights out, then they have a huge advantage. Yeah. And I wonder, uh, playoff Trey, um, it's hard for me to envision the Hawks losing this game at home with Trey Young, given kind of what he did last year in the playoffs. And I think you saw a little bit of playoff Trey over the course of the last two weeks of the regular season, knowing that the Hawks had to stockpile some wins and start to put themselves in position where they could at least have somewhat of a favorable draw uh, in this play-in tournament. But, I mean, is it all on Trey Young to do everything? With John Collins out, uh, you mean, what, what can be expected from the complementary players on this team? I think that the Hornets are going to do their best to not let Trey beat them. And whether that works or not, we'll see. But they've been – I was actually watching some of the games back from earlier this year and even last year is that – Charlotte's going to try their best to double Trey and blitz Trey and make somebody else beat them. And Trey will figure it out. He always does. It might take him a quarter, might take him a quarter and a half, whatever it's going to be, but he'll figure out a way to attack. It's just that in the meantime, somebody else has got to make shots, whether, especially if they're going to double Trey has been willing to pass. Obviously his assist numbers are through the roof, but somebody has to make shots. And you said it without Collins, whether it's Bogdanovich or Herter or DeAndre Hunter, someone's got to make threes and be able to attack as well. Uh, especially if they're doubling Trey, someone's going to have to be able to gather, put it on the floor, and create opportunities for the bigs, all of that stuff. And that's that's where you get in a little bit shakier territory because everybody trusts Trey. Um, obviously, Trey is fantastic. The one downside is that if he, if he has a bad night, you're obviously in deep trouble because they're right. so reliant on him. But I think that um, if one or two guys make shots that are not Trey Young you're perfectly fine because at the end of the day, like you said, Trey's going to do enough on his own. He's just going to have to have a little bit of help. I don't want to look too far down the road here, but this is the systemic problem I've noticed with the Hawks offense since John Collins goes out. Look, when they're playing a bad defensive team like Charlotte, I don't think it shows up, right? And and what I don't think shows up is the fact that, you know, Trey doesn't have to have the, the 35, 40 point night, um, you know, and, and his box scores are pretty consistent, right? Like when Trey has big nights, he's at the free throw line at least 10 times. 
Um, and if, if he's not shooting above 40, 45% where he's making shots on the routine, he's getting to the free throw line and he's dishing out a lot of assists and he can sort of supplement his game that way. The problem is, is when the Hawks play good defenses and they'll play a good defense in Cleveland, at least statistically, although I think they're fading down the stretch from a defensive standpoint. But let's, again, not looking too far ahead at Miami in the first round. The problem is, is what with a team like Miami that's very good defensively, when there's nobody else to draw the defense away from Trey, it becomes almost, I don't want to say iso ball, a hero ball, but it's just like they can focus on locking down Trey and say, go ahead, everybody else. I dare you to beat us. We're good enough and deep enough defensively that you guys will have okay nights, but you're not going to beat us. And without John Collins, there isn't another reliable, consistent scorer in this offense. Certainly, that, that's one of the questions about this team, short-term and long-term. If you're trying to go into the lab and figure out what, what this team needs, it might sound crazy to say they need more offense because they're number two in the league in efficiency and all those numbers. But when it does bog down, they could certainly use some help for Trey Young. And Charlotte, like you said, not a great defensive team, but they've actually done a pretty good job on Trey specifically in the last couple of years because they're willing to kind of just make everybody else beat them. And teams are going to do that. Now, they've had a lot of reps against it. Nate's talked about it. They've kind of encountered every possible defense now against Trey Young. But at the same time, you have to have somebody do it. And down the stretch, the one positive has been Bogdanovich has been very good for the last, I don't know, two months or so. And if he is that guy, he is the one guy on the roster that can go get his own shot on the perimeter. Um, I guess probably at will if he's got it going. Now, if he doesn't, if he doesn't have it going, then they don't really have the other guy because Herder's a supporting piece. Hunter's a supporting piece. But Donovich is the one guy who's kind of wired to go ahead and just go out and take it and take his own shots and distribute. And uh, he's the number two by default, but I'm kind of with you. Like long-term, ideally you'd have another guy that's a little bit more on that high end uh, of the hierarchy. Does coaching matter uh, in a game like this, in a situation like this? And that's not to slight Nate per se, but I mean – Trey doesn't have to look back at the bench to see if it's okay to chuck up a three from the logo, right? Like that's not his, that's not his game. Trey can, can do this all on his own. And I don't know that it necessarily matters what the rotation is or who's on the floor against whom. So how much will coaching play into this? I think it matters some, I'm kind of with you that like, you know, Trey's going to do what Trey does. Right. So uh, <laughs> offensively, like drawing stuff up, doesn't really happen that much in the in the playoffs. You know, maybe coming out of timeouts, you get advantages on stuff that you're drawing up right there on a napkin in the huddle, that kind of thing. Um, and I think also with three days in between games, it can matter a little bit more because you might be able to actually throw some different wrinkles at a team that you haven't been able to – during the regular season, you know this, but there's no game planning for the most part. There might be little right. things, but there's not enough time to do that. But with three full days and a matchup that you are familiar with against Charlotte, maybe there is some tweaks you can put in. And I think, uh, you know, on Charlotte's side, dealing with Trey, on the Hawks' side, maybe trying to get back on defense because the, so one thing that I'm worried about in this game is defense and transition because the Hawks are not good at that and Charlotte will run it down your throat. And maybe that's something that Nate can kind of just beat into their heads. But I think it can be overrated for sure. You know, rotation stuff and stuff that we can see on the outside can be overrated. It matters, but at the end of the day, players got to make plays and make shots. Yeah, uh, and, and you mentioned in transition, um, you know, the total for this game – Opened at 240 and a half, which is a monster Ooh. number. Uh, it's been bet down to 236 when I checked last night, uh, which is kind of surprising again because uh, that's got to be a ton of sharp money. I, I would have jumped on the under at 240. I'd probably still play the under at 236. And by my calculations, my math, somebody has to get to 125 in this game. And there's a sense for me, and I'm curious to see how this plays out, not only from the betting standpoint, but just in general sort of game flow. Because both these offenses can score and, and will score, um, you know, it's almost like they cancel each other out. I think in a one game scenario, i.e. like a game seven, 
they're maybe a little bit more sort of patient. They're maybe a little bit more meticulous in shot selection. They might not rush things um, to sort of, you know, get to a certain number or score at a certain pace. You just have to make the shots that you take count. So uh, I think this might be not as high scoring as many people would envision. I tend to lean your way on these one-game scenarios in general. I like it usually gets a little bit sluggish at some point, whether it's early on with jitters or late when things slow down. And if there's one thing that will tell you that the Hawks can maybe keep Charlotte out of transition, it's that the Hawks don't turn the ball over at all. Like Charlotte relies on turnover creation, and the Hawks are quite literally number one in the league in avoiding turnovers. So if they can do that in this game, it might cover up their bad defense and transition because if you look at the roster not to go down the whole rabbit hole but gallo and trey and all these guys they, they have bad transition defenders and that hurts them sometimes so if, if you're looking for a disaster scenario it's, it's turnovers from the hawks that lead to easy stuff from the hornets but i'm kind of with you I, i'd be leaning under as well it might not be popular because these are two teams that are really good on offense to play athletic but i'm kind of surprised like you are that the total went down because usually people like to bet the over <laughs> that's what yeah usually uh, what happens I mean I would tell you, wait until there's some buyback on the over uh, before it'll happen. Wager. Yeah, I, I think it will, especially with another 24 hours uh, before the game gets underway. All right. Final thoughts, because I know that you're into the betting stuff as much as I am here. Four and a half the number. Uh, there's over 70 percent of the public already on the Atlanta Hawks. Um, as I said earlier, I don't see a scenario where Trey Young allows his team to lose this game. Like I'm playing out in my head if they lose what does he have to answer for? What does Trey Young have to answer for? And it's probably something he's not ready to answer for because in reality, he's only had playoff success, all things considered, right? Like his only playoff run was a very impressive playoff run and playoff Trey was great. And, you know, it gets real quiet in here. Remember that, Brad? It gets real quiet. Um, the noise will go up real quick for him if uh, if they lose this game. So I have a hard time envisioning them doing it. But in the same respect, when so much of the public just jumps right on one side, I can't willfully back the Hawks and lay the four points. So for me, it's Hornets or pass uh, getting four and a half, and hopefully the Hawks just win by three. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It's always scary to me when everyone's on one side, and I like to go the other side if that's the case. Yeah, uh, I think the Hawks are going to win the game. I will pick them to win the game. You know, whether they win it by five plus is another uh, thing entirely. Because you, uh, For me, you, you have the best clutch player on the floor. You have the best player on the floor in Trey. But if you're the Hawks, you like to – maybe not like to, but you tend to play close games because your defense gives it back and you have these lulls. And I think that it should surprise no one if this game is very, very, very close with three minutes to go. I think the Hawks are the better team. But even at home, they haven't always had breezy wins against good teams. Now, they, they've blown out some bad teams recently, but against good teams. And Charlotte's pretty good. They're not incredible by any means, but this is a game in which I'll be surprised if the Charlotte, if the Hornets don't make a run or two. Like They're, they're just too high-powered on offense. And I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty afraid to lay four and a half points. So, I think at the end of the day, I'd probably pass to be honest. But I, I do think the Hawks are the better team, and and that they're going to hold serve at home because, um, you know, it'd be just be hard for me to see like you that Trey would lose this game. And but at the same time, if he doesn't have it, they might be in trouble. So it's a lot of pressure on him. Obviously, he's the guy you want pressure on. He's your best player. He's your he's your superstar. But if he has a bad game, the Hawks might be in trouble. So it comes down to more than that. But it could just be if Trey's awesome and the Hawks win, and if he's not, maybe they don't. Yeah, uh, this is why I appreciate you, Brad. You certainly know how to break down and handicap a game. It's never, 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 uh, you know, away from my heart as far as uh, handicapping and sports betting is concerned. Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks podcast. Appreciate the time as always, brother. You stay well, and uh, hopefully we're doing this again, getting ready for Cleveland. I'll be here if you need me. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, brother. All right. Coming up next, uh, we will wrap things up here on this Tuesday edition of A to Z right here 
on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Stay with me. That's coming up next. Welcome back into A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta for a Tuesday edition. Appreciate you guys joining us on this venture. Please give us a follow at Locked On ATL on Twitter at Mark Zino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Love to hear from you guys and uh, get some feedback from what you guys think of the show on a daily basis. Check out all the shows that we have here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, whether it is A to Z, it's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste. Of course, the Grant McCauley Braves postcast after each Braves games that he gets up there and we talked to Brad Rowland, Locked On Hawks. Don't forget the Locked On Falcons with Aaron Freeman. We have a great team here in Atlanta. I hope you guys continue to support us all and certainly uh, let us know what you love about Locked On Sports Atlanta. So thank you guys for joining us. This segment of the show brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source. For all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, and I will give you my betonline.net picks coming up here uh, before the end of this segment. But I did want to talk about the Atlanta Braves as they lose again last night to the Washington Nationals. And again, I'm not hitting a panic button. But two things happened we talked about yesterday on the show that came to fruition in the very next game. Does that make me a genius? Yes. No, I kid. Um, but it's just interesting. I talked about Rosario at the top of the lineup. He played there for the first four games. Where was he batting last night? Sixth. Uh, Brian Snitker pulls him out of the top spot. What did he do last night? Over. Um, so it didn't take long for Snitker to turn around and go, yeah, this might not be his sweet spot at the top of the lineup. Let's see what happened. Ozzie Albies, Ozzie Albies uh, hitting the top spot last night. Braves get crushed 13-2. to It wasn't uh, Wascar and Noah's best night by any stretch of the imagination. So um, they fall to 2-3 and three. again. No panic button hit whatsoever. But uh, yesterday as well in the game, and let me just double-check the number here. Yeah, the Braves struck out eight times, bringing them to a major league leading 46 strikeouts uh that is the most in the bigs to this point um again not something i'm going to get too excited about by any size way shape or form however comma it just bears worth it bears worth repeating that those are the two things i addressed yesterday the leadoff spot and the strikeouts that probably need to get corrected sooner rather than later again my thing with the braves is that it, it, it they don't have to be in first place they don't have to dominate teams they need to just hover around 500. What I don't want them to do is get into a deep hole they have to dig themselves out of. That's what happened last year, and they did dig themselves out of it, and they finally got into first place, and they made the playoffs, and they had a huge run and won the World Series. We all know this. Why have to go through that exercise again when you're much better than that? And we all know it. Uh, so just, you know, again, I, let, let's make sure they can win some games and, and, and float around 500 till the weather really turns here in Atlanta and they get warm uh, and guys are starting to feel better and more loose and everything else. Like I said, it's not it's not panic time by any stretch of the imagination. But those are two things, the leadoff spot, the table setting, and uh, uh, and the strikeouts that I think are going to be hopefully not consistent themes that we're going to talk about. But if they are, it's going to be something that's going to be a thorn in the side for fans, um, for Brian Snitker, uh, and for all of us as we, we want to see this team make another deep playoff run, hopefully win another World Series. Um, 
they're going to need to limit those two things or at least limit the strikeouts and, and get better production out of the leadoff spot. All right, uh, NBA playoffs tonight um, between the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you're looking at the Nets, who are laying eight points at home and uh, a total of 229 and a half. The Nets have been incredibly unreliable, uh, and I have yet to see them play 48 minutes of consistent basketball on a routine basis. Uh, that's a little bit troublesome to me when you're asking me to lay this many points. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, there is a lot of the public that is going to jump on uh, the Nets because of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and everything else, and with good reason. Um, I would probably just stay away from this game altogether. For me, it would be Cavaliers or pass. Um, I'd have to get really comfortable. I'd like to see if more money comes in. I can get the state and a half, maybe even nine. But yes, Brooklyn is a lot more talented. Uh, they certainly can score and outscore Cleveland without breaking a sweat. Um, they beat up on them the last time these two teams played. They covered both games against the Cavaliers at the Barclays Center earlier this year. It's just a lot of points from a team that is wildly inconsistent um, in every aspect of the game. The fact that they allowed Indiana to hang around in a must-win game uh, in the final game of the regular season to me is just worrisome to lay this many points, so I wouldn't do it. As far as the total is concerned, a 229.5 play the under. Cleveland doesn't have the offense to push this total where it needs to go. Cleveland's going to have to get to 105, 107 range, um, figuring that Brooklyn will be around 122. Uh, you know, that that sort of deal is where the numbers in my math and my estimation sort of add up. Uh, but I lean on the under in this spot. I would put a small play there uh, between these two teams and feel a lot more comfortable with that. The other game tonight is the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, and for me, you know, as I pull the game up here on my computer, for me, this is a, a game where uh, you're looking at the number one offense in the league in the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, and a Clippers team that with the return of Paul George has the second best PER in the NBA. Um, to me, this feels like a, a, you know, this line has moved back to a pick I guess now is what I'm seeing in certain spots. Um, no, I have Minnesota minus three. I apologize. Um, I'm looking at the wrong thing here, but nonetheless, you know, we are in a, a spot here with this game where I can, Trust that the Timberwolves will score. How much defense will the Clippers be able to play and slow them down? My biggest play here is on the over. That 230 is much shorter than what it should be. Uh, again, Minnesota is going to score. They're going to get to 115, 120, uh, and easily I'm going to get the Clippers with Paul George back in the lineup to get to 110 um, or 115, and they'll both be in that same range. But this is a short number. I can back the over here. Um with with a with a full unit play, just because knowing how Minnesota plays, unless they just miss a ton of shots, uh, which I don't envision them doing, uh, this will be a faster paced game than a lot of people expect, especially for a playoff game when defenses tend to tighten up a little bit more uh, and shot selection becomes a little bit more, I guess, uh, measured, if you will, is the word that I'm looking for. Um, but again, you know, when I look at these two teams, it's hard for me to really pick a side. I, you know, I, I could definitely see the Clippers winning this game, especially with poor Paul George back in the lineup. And, it, and it's it's tempting to take the points with Paul George because they may be a better team overall. Uh, but Minnesota's offense is really, really tough to slow down. So I'm just going to stay on the over in this one. No play on the side for me. And we'll sit back and watch. And uh, hopefully Brooklyn does their job and make sure that the Hawks will end up facing the Cleveland Cavaliers 
in their second playing game in the play-in tournament. Because if Brooklyn loses this one, wow, man, it's not going to be fun. All right, uh, that'll do it for A to Z here today on this Tuesday. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, continue to reach out to me on social media at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O on Twitter. I'm also at the same on Instagram if you want to follow me there. Look at pictures of my kids and my family, which you probably have no desire to do. But I also like to make a lot of jokes there, so it's it's fun. Anyway, uh, back tomorrow. Appreciate you guys spending your Tuesday with us right here on A to Z. You guys have a great day. Don't tell any crap from anybody. See you. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.